Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Cool Canadian History. I'm your host, David Boris. Today, Season 2, Episode 15 Vimy Ridge Part 2, The Legend. In 1918, Vimy Ridge was one of a number of significant victories by the Canadian Corps during the First World War. By the early 1920s, Vimy Ridge was one of a small number of possible sites for an eventual Canadian memorial to the fallen Canadian soldiers of that war. 1936 saw the unveiling of this monument on Hill 145, the toughest German position to be captured at Vimy Ridge. By the Second World War, the Battle of Vimy Ridge and the monument on its ground had cemented itself as an iconic part of Canadian history. When the threat of Hitler destroying the monument sent shockwaves throughout the country, it was obvious that the battle had placed itself as an important part of the Canadian narrative. By the 1960s, Vimy Ridge was being equated with the battle that birthed the nation. How did this battle get to this point? Why is it even into the 21st century this battle looms as a pivotal moment in the Canadian historical narrative? Well, to understand this, we need to go back to the start. Before we do, though, a reminder, you can always find us on a number of different platforms. You can, of course, find us on Facebook and SoundCloud just by searching Cool Canadian History. You can find us on iTunes, just by searching Cool Canadian History. And you can get us on any of your iTunes or podcast devices on your laptop or your phone. You can, of course, find me on Twitter, at Doc Boris. That's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. And you can always find us at our home. That's our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com. Now, if you go check out our website, you'll see all the episodes from the past. And at the very bottom of the page, you will see a PayPal button. This is a donations tab. PayPal has been kind enough to allow the facilitation of donations to the podcast. Every donation you make is extremely helpful in allowing us to continue to bring you this podcast. So let us begin by addressing some of the ideas that were touched upon last week in episode 14. Vimy Ridge was certainly a remarkable tactical success, arguably one of the finest set-piece battles conducted by any core formation of the British Expeditionary Force. The BEF was the larger body that the Canadian Corps were a part of. Now, it was in many ways a coalescing point for all the lessons learned from the series of brutal battles from 1915 and 1916. Because of the stunning success of this battle, a success that many in the British and French senior command thought doubtful, the battle took on mythic proportions in the decades following the war. Let's address a few of these myths. 
The first one is that the Canadians invented the creeping barrage. This is not true. This was the tactic by which the artillery shells would essentially move forward or creep ahead of the infantry as the infantry advanced over no man's land. Essentially, this would keep the enemy's heads in their trenches down while the infantry advanced. The Canadians did not invent this. There are examples of this both from the Somme and the Verdun offensives in 1916. Now, a second myth is that Arthur Curry pioneered the attack. He did not. He was the commander of 1st Canadian Infantry Division. It was, in fact, the British General Sir Julian Bing, future Governor General of Canada, whom is credited with the total victory. Now, another myth is that this was a victory for Canada by Canadians. Well, in fact, more personnel of the Canadian Corps were actually born in the British Isles than in Canada. Statistics vary, but somewhere around 45% of the Corps was Canadian-born, while 48-49% to of the Corps was British Isles-born, meaning that nobody was necessarily waving the Canadian flag, the original one, at the top of the ridge when the battle was over. Though it should be made clear, the victory was certainly immediately credited by all the Entente powers to the nation of Canada, and was immediately celebrated as a brilliant Canadian victory. And, of course, every soldier of the Corps was, in fact, wearing the distinctive Maple Leaf badge on their uniform. Thus, even before the Maple Leaf became the symbol of our flag, it was present at the victory at Vimy Ridge. Okay, so we got some of those myths out of the way, some understandings about the battle. But how exactly did this battle emerge into not just an iconic moment in Canadian history, but also an iconic memorial on a small piece of territory granted to Canada by the French government. This is worth understanding, because those two questions are intricately intertwined. Vimy was immediately hailed as a great victory, but it was the first victory in a long series of uninterrupted victories by the Canadian Corps that culminated in the Hundred Days Campaign, a final Entente offensive spearheaded by the Canadian Corps that broke the back of German military resistance on the Western Front. Thus, in the wake of the end of the war, Vimy was one of many great victories attributed to the Canadian Corps. In fact, in the immediate aftermath of the war, many looked to the Hundred Days Campaign and to the fact that Germans held such high regard for the Canadian Corps as the true testament to the Canadian First World War battle experience. In the early 1920s, the Canadian government, the public, and veterans' organizations all clamored for a European memorial that would honor those Canadian soldiers killed in the war to end all wars. There were four locations considered. First was the area around Ypres, Belgium, where the Canadian troops had received their baptism by fire in what became known as the first gas attack. They would eventually receive a monument here titled The Brooding Soldier. It's pretty remarkable, actually. I suggest everyone try and see it one day. The second area was around the Somme, where the Canadians achieved some of the only successes of all the BEF forces attacking during that controversial offensive. The third area was Vimy Ridge, of course. Four divisions of the Corps working together for the first time to capture a seemingly impossible objective. And the fourth area was the Canal du Nord, one of Arthur Curry's greatest tactical achievements. Curry was the first Canadian commander of the Corps, taking over after Bing was promoted. This was also a very crucial battle during the Hundred Days Campaign. Not only was Vimy Ridge one of four possible sites, but the selection of Vimy was a contested choice. In fact, 
Arthur Curry himself wrote about the possibility of placing a monument at Vimy Ridge, and this is worth reading out loud now. I quote, If they place the memorial at Vimy, it will confirm for all time the impression that Vimy was the greatest battle fought by the Canadians in France. In my mind, that is very far from being a fact. Vimy was a set piece for which we had trained and rehearsed for weeks. It did not call for the same degree of resource and initiative that were displayed in any of the three greatest battles of the last hundred days. End quote. Curry did recognize, though, that the heights of Vimy Ridge would in fact make an oppressive setting for a Canadian memorial. Curry was not the only one who was unsure about Vimy being the appropriate site. Many veterans, politicians, and others argued against this. We can see that even in the early 1920s then, Vimy was not yet the legendary battle that it would soon become in the Canadian mind. It was Prime Minister Mackenzie King, who had never fought in the war or even been to Vimy Ridge, who believed that Vimy was indeed hallowed ground, and he very much began Vimy's transition into hallowed memory. Under King's direction, the Canadian government chose Vimy as the site of the great Canadian memorial that was to be built in Europe. The Canadian government purchased some land and accepted donations from nearby land to ensure control of the territory that now bears the memorial. In fact, the French government ceded 248 acres to the Canadian government in perpetuity. Walter Seymour Allward was selected to design and oversee the construction of the memorial. The stone eventually used for the memorial was in fact pulled from the same quarry used by 4th century Roman Emperor Diocletian to construct his own palace. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. By the early 1930s, as the monument was being built, the Canadian Legion, representing hundreds of thousands of Canadian Great War veterans, began to plan a massive pilgrimage to France. Very quickly, the planning became centered around the unveiling of Allward's monument at Vimy. Even before the government and the Canadian Legion knew when the monument might be completed, they set the unveiling date for July 1st, 1936. Then July 1st was called Dominion Day. Allward was now presented with a very real deadline. In fact, the unveiling would be moved to July 26th to accommodate all interested parties and Allward himself. Massive subsidies for travel, as well as extensive organization by both the Canadian government, the Legion, charitable donations, and even the private sector... Uh, Eaton's, for instance, was a major donor, allowed 6,200 veterans and their families to be able to go across to France. The group included 50 nursing sisters, 70 French Canadians, and even a few Japanese Canadian veterans of the war. As well, in attendance would be the French president, Albert Lebrun, and none other than King Edward VIII himself. The unveiling went off without a hitch. But it's important to understand that this pilgrimage was not just about the Vimy unveiling. Most veterans wanted to return to many of the spots they had fought in decades before. Regardless, it was the Vimy unveiling which marked the pilgrimage. 
the public saw the Vimy unveiling as the point of the pilgrimage, even if soldiers were actually trying to get to other places on the battlefield or on the Western Front. So now, in the eyes of the Canadian public, politicians, and even veterans, it is Vimy that seems to have encapsulated the actual memory of the war. This was the spot to remember the entire war for the Canadian Corps. By the Second World War's outbreak, the legend of the Canadian Corps informed much of the language being used by military officials and politicians in Canada as the country prepared to do battle once again. In fact, the rumors that the Germans were going to destroy the Vimy Monument sent most English newspapers into apoplexy. The reaction of English Canada to the thought of Hitler destroying Canada's First World War shrine shows us where the Vimy legend now stood in the eyes of many Canadians. In 1967, Vimy was further enshrined in Canadian memory when Canada's 100th anniversary of Confederation coincided with the 50th anniversary of the battle. At this point, there was very tangible links being made in literature, poetry, and art connecting the birth of Canada to the victory at Vimy. If we look at the context of the 1960s, this connection between Vimy and nation-building makes some sense. Canada was attempting to define itself in an uncertain post-World War II world order. It was moving away from Britain and coming closer to the U.S. superpower that had emerged. It was starting to deal with a growing nationalistic movement in Quebec that was starting to envision its own future outside of Canada. Bearing this in mind, it seems very logical that such an event like Vimy would be publicized and promoted as a nation-building moment. Vimy Ridge was an easy symbol to hopefully unite the country. The 1967 commemoration set off a consistent series of celebrations of the battle, while other battles fought by the Canadian Corps faded into relative obscurity, Eeps, Hill 70, Canal du Nord, just to name a few, the memory of Vimy grew even more powerful. With every major anniversary of the battle, the narrative became more and more about Vimy as the birth of the nation. If you want to read a book that very much carries this nation-building theme in it, but is a really good read, I strongly recommend Pierre Burton's Vimy. It should be noted, though, that the symbolic nature of Vimy Ridge played strongly in English Canada, while in most of Quebec, Vimy Ridge did not carry the same nation-building narrative or power. Regardless, we can certainly see that by as early as 1936, Vimy was beginning to take on a meaning far beyond a World War I victory. And even today, the battle occupies a special place, not just in Canada's military history, but also in the story of how Canada was formed. As my respected colleague and awesome historian Tim Cook once said, Vimy did not make Canada. Canada made Vimy. A reminder, you can find us on iTunes, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on SoundCloud, and you can find us at our website, www.coolcanadianhistory.com, and of course you can find me on Twitter, at DocBoris, that's at D-O-C-B-O-R-Y-S. I want to thank you for listening. For Cool Canadian History, I'm David Boris. Take care.